You're listening to Tremendous Leadership with Dr. Tracy Jones. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Tracy Jones. Welcome to the Tremendous Leadership Podcast, Leaders on Leadership, where we pull back the curtain on leadership and talk to leaders from all over the globe about what it takes to truly pay the price of leadership. Today, I am so excited. My guest is Trisha Ben. And Trisha is the Chief Community Officer of the C-Suite Network and the General Manager of the Hero Club, an invitation-only membership organization for CEOs, founders, and investors. As an officer of these organizations, her mission is to build the platform and community that accelerates the success of C-level executives, owners, investors, and influencers. She is a leader in creating an executive community of collaboration based on integrity, transparency, and measuring success beyond numbers alone, what we call the hero factor. Trisha, I am delighted to have you on the podcast today. Tracy, I am so thrilled to be here with you and actually have this time together, you know, to really dig in. I love it. Thank you so much. And for our listeners out there, you guys have heard me talk a lot about C-Suite and Trisha was my first connection with that. She's the CEO for the organization and she's just doing a phenomenal job. And you've heard many of the leaders on this podcast talk about, we need to have our tribe that helps us moving forward. So I cannot wait to hear all about how you've done that, Trisha, because I know you're going to be a wealth of insight for our leaders listening. I'm so excited to share. And you know, how we do that in community to build great businesses, it, that's what it gets me so excited and inspired every day. And Tracy, you know, every one of us makes that difference. You know, the contribution you make makes it great. And so anyway, I'm thrilled. Let's go. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, that's so encouraging because we're going to talk about some tough stuff. You know, there's the fun side of leadership and then there's the tougher stuff, but that's where you separate, you know, the sheep from the goats kind of thing. But my dad wrote a speech many, many years ago called The Price of Leadership. And he was very pragmatic. He was very experiential. He was very real. He grew up in the trenches. Okay. And so he talks about that there are four keys, four things that you are really going to have to be doing as a leader to truly be paying the price of leadership and not be a leader in name only. And the first one he talks about, Tricia, is loneliness. And we have all heard that term, it's lonely at the top. But can you share with me for our leaders out there what loneliness as a leader means, perhaps maybe when you went through a season of that and a word for our listeners that may be encountering that right now? Loneliness is, for me, it's a really interesting concept. I'm all of my life, I would do the studies, the Myers-Briggs and things like that. And I come up barely on the extrovert side. And I always thought that's complete nonsense until I got married to an extrovert. <laughs> At which point I discovered I do have a very strong introvert side. So loneliness for me is a very different concept. I don't think about being lonely. I seldom feel lonely. For me, it's really about where I need to be alone, how I need to be alone, how I create space for myself. And so it's quite interesting. I don't conceive of it as being alone because I think partly how I am and how I play both in the extrovert and introvert sides of my life, but also I am so fortunate to lead a community where it is all about giving back. It is all about how do we align shoulder to shoulder and how do we serve? And so when I think about loneliness, I think about where I need to stand, how I take care of myself because I am on a mission that's really critical. That is what will feed and fuel successful, not just businesses, but communities and, and our leaders that we serve, executives, business owners, investors, influencers. These are all the people that all of our communities rely on. So I seldom feel in any way lonely 
I feel a tremendous sense of responsibility and need and desire to serve to have that greater impact. And I serve the people that have the most impact should they take on that responsibility. And, and it has meaning for them. And that's, those are the people that we attract, of course, like you, Tracy, into our community. I love that. Well, I love that you talked about when you're giving and serving. I think you said it's tough to be alone. And that's a, typically if we do feel like we're alone, I tell people, hey, look, you're probably withdrawing a lot more than you're aware of. And if you're, and what was, I don't know if it's Ken Blanchard or Zig Ziglar said that the best way to get what you want is to help enough other people to get what you want. So that service mentality, what you said about creating space and taking care of yourself, that leads us to the next price of leadership which is weariness. Because when you're out there making this all happen, it's it's joyful work, but it's still, it's taxing and we're mere mortals. So can you share with me how you combat weariness, how you stay refreshed? I love that you talked about creating space because as a leader, man, that's essential. Even if you're the 100% extrovert, you still got to have some time to replenish. But can you share with us what that means for you, weariness, Tricia, and how you stay on point and in top fighting form? Yes. For me, the weariness is that one is definitely one that you cannot avoid. When you are a leader, you don't get to be a leader because you get to deal with all the wonderful things every day. You get to be a leader because you're solving the biggest problems every day. And so weariness is a huge challenge for all of us in one way or another. And I think there are a lot of concepts that people use and instead of it actually fueling, you know, a sense of rejuvenation in our lives or the things that we need as individuals to keep ourselves healthy and moving forward, they create another sort of bar or measure or metric that we don't meet up to, you know, so the balance of life. Now I challenge the concept. I don't believe there's balance. I think that's nonsense. There's no such thing. What is balanced in your life? If you look at it, it's a wonderful concept. And I think for Gen Xers, it was a beautiful concept to say to the boomer generation, wait a second, (laughs) maybe just maybe if we fuel something other than just how many hours this person has their body at a desk, we might actually get more production out of them, right? Mm -hmm. So the sense of balance, I think it was a very valuable tool. I think in today's day and age, it is no, it is not useful. I don't think there is such a thing as balance. I think between technology and when you look at COVID, certainly our lives have changed extraordinarily. What balance? You know, it just doesn't exist. And so I believe, I believe in integration. I believe at looking at ourselves and everyone we are working with and leading and supporting and looking at what does that integration look like. And one of the tools that we use all the time in C-Suite Network in our with our teams and, and our partners is what are your conditions of satisfaction? And this is achievable. I can't achieve balance. That's ludicrous. If I'm building a business or I'm traveling that day or I'm on vacation, there's no such thing as balance in that day. But I can take my life as an integration and I can look at what are my conditions of satisfaction. And my conditions of satisfaction can be met in any day, no matter who I'm with or what I'm focused on or what city I'm in or what my primary goal is for that day. So a very specific example would be one of my conditions of satisfaction is really reaching for my great every day and helping everyone I touch get to their great. And that there's so much encompassed in that for me. I love what makes people great. And that's different than what makes me great. And I love that so much. And so that is my conditions of satisfaction. Well, it doesn't matter if what day of the week it is, doesn't matter who I'm with, doesn't matter what my agenda says. 
I can meet that condition of satisfaction. And so I think we as leaders, we really need to be looking at that weariness question from the perspective of what, how do we integrate our lives in a meaningful way where our conditions of satisfaction are being met and we're aligned whatever our ultimate goals are. I love that. And I love that you said that because balance implies like a tipping point. If more of this, then this has to fall off. And I agree. I'm like, but, and I have people work with me. They're like, I can't sacrifice anything. It all has to knit together. And so I love that you're not so dichotomous about this or that. A win-win means you weave everything together. And every day is a different context. You may need to spend more time with your family. You may need to spend time with an ailing uh, parent, or you may be able to go full throttle and strategize and drop off the grid for two weeks. So I love that you talked about conditions of satisfaction. Now that we can achieve because you're right, balance, it's a myth. Yes, it's a myth. And also we really have to treat ourselves well and yes. artificial goals using ridiculous frameworks of judgment are useless. They're worse than useless. They're literally a way to tie our legs and arms together and then say, try to run the race. It's ludicrous. And so I think as leaders on the wearisome pillar, you really have to be thinking of how are you caring for yourself Mm -hmm. to be able to run that race and be very conscientious about what metrics you're going to use to aim for and judge by. I love it. Well, it's the old, if the plane of the oxygen goes off, you have to put it on yourself first. You don't put it on everybody else because you have to take care of yourself first. And I love that term frameworks of judgment. Man, is that powerful and tying your hands and legs together. Okay. Awesome. So that's loneliness and weariness. Now, the next thing my dad talked about is abandonment. And he would say, Tracy, we work more on our failure than our success every day because we're not focused on uh, what we need and ought to uh, focus on instead of what we like and want to. And this is tough, especially for FOMO entrepreneurs like us that, you know, I can juggle a thousand ideas at a day, but we shouldn't. And so what does abandonment mean for you? And how do you stay abandoned and focused on what you really need to focus on? So this is something that I am very mission driven. So for me, it's all about the goal and letting the ego go as much as possible and fueling the growth and innovation and focus against the delivery on that mission Mm -hmm. for everyone in your organization. So I have been very, very focused with my team using very simple diagrams with my hands like this. We are a fast growth organization. That means we need to be innovating like crazy to pull our growth up as fast as we want to see it. And we need to be filling in with our infrastructure to support what we want to keep. And what we don't want to keep, we need to let go off of that as Uh as possible. And so the piece of what we focus on, I like to create as much space as I possibly can for everyone on the team to take leadership in how we innovate and how we test things. Because that doesn't cost anyone anything. And you explore and discover things that would take months or years to get to. Mm. And when I think about abandonment, I'm thinking about testing and not having any ego attachment to what doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And we have some great examples over the last eight months that I can now use as frameworks for the team to understand really quickly what I'm talking about when I'm pushing in a different line of our business. Okay. Can you tease that out or unpack that when you say, I got the goal plus the innovation plus the infrastructure minus the ego? But when you say test it and you explain that, how you've done that in the past eight months, how you've seen that work out. Okay. So this is beautiful because it ties into how we met. So 
the origin story of Celebrate. Now, Celebrate was the event that we met at and where you and I were introduced, and it is wonderful. I mean, it's beautiful. I have met people that I absolutely feel are part of my family through that event that I never even would have met, let alone had that sense of belonging and closeness with. And it has been the event that we've brought in the most number of members. We have tremendous participation and it's a Friday evening. We have, there's just nothing we've done in person or virtually that's been as successful as that event for us. The thing that's really interesting about that is we launched that on April 17th. We were grounded in terms of flight and our normal business, which was mostly in person, March 16th. So within one month, we had completely shifted our business model and we piloted for that event. Now, here's the thing that most people don't know. That event was piloted and it was terrible. It was so awful. <laughs> and, and this is what happened. This is the whole scenario. I said to my BD team, our whole world has changed. Nobody is looking for a $10,000 membership or to travel right now. Clearly. So we need to figure out what does our $1,000 membership look like? What is our delivery on that? How do we sell one to many instead of a very high touch one-to-one in person? What does that look like? What would we do? And this was a Monday and it was sort of like some, you know, we hadn't quite done that before. We, We don't really have the infrastructure in play where we would want it, you know, that kind of thing. And I said, okay, well, here's the thing. How about it's Monday? How about Wednesday night? (laughs) eight o'clock. We're going to invite whoever we're talking to that we think might be a good candidate for this. And we're going to walk them through what we think would be valuable for them to understand why they should be part of the C-suite network family. Mm. Two days, Tracy. So you can imagine, oh my goodness, this is stressful. Like how, you know, (laughs) right. We got to figure out how to get people there at eight o'clock and we're going to have this conversation. So I had four people from my team, me and two guests And it was so terrible that those two people still haven't joined. Like that's, (laughs) but, you know, in line with this, how do we innovate? We tested it within two days. I could have waited two weeks, two months. It wouldn't have been much better. Right. And even worse still, we might not have done it at all. Ah, yes. Yes. We might have gotten distracted onto some other idea. So we did it within two days. It was terrible. Right afterward, we circled and said, okay, well, we have that under our belts. (laughs) Now, what are we going to do? And that's when we came up with almost the whole idea for Celebrate. The only thing we didn't have, we knew exactly Friday, five o'clock, we want to celebrate everything that's great. And we want to have a space where we can welcome new members. We can get them connected in so they understand the community and they already have the connections with everybody that's there as well, not just us, obviously because that's the power of the community. And I'm going to get to celebrate the team because our team is, you know, jumping in and doing all these things. I love that because, you know, you know, as the leader, you get all the credit. And meanwhile, you've got an absolutely unbelievable team if you're doing anything successfully. And so that's what we're going to do. And with a little bit of wine, uh, maybe a night or two later, uh, Rebecca and I were going through, what would we call it? And we came up with permission to push pause, which was what we all felt and wanted. And as leaders, don't you feel that way anyway? When can I just push the pause button, be with great people, celebrate great things. And so Celebrate was launched. And I invited, I want to say about 65 people to the first Friday, and I had about 50 attend. And it was like, okay, we've got it all in place. And 
We have well over 100 every Friday night. It is just absolutely wonderful. And what I would say with that is pilot, you know, so what did I put all my eggs in that basket? Absolutely not. But in innovating and testing and tasting, we got those pieces where we said, okay, now we need to fill in with the infrastructure. This needs to stay. Right. Then you can keep pushing forward with other things because other people on the team are seeing other opportunities, you know, other advantages that we can take it and put in place so that we're creating more and more opportunity. Yeah. I think it was Patton that said like a poor plan executed today is better than a perfect plan made tomorrow. Something like that, which means don't wait. My dad would call that production to perfection. We're not God. We're never going to get right. But every time you do it, you collect data and you're testing and you're piloting and then you keep the good and you just keep dialing it in until, I mean, I love that. So you have to abandon this fear of, I got to get this right. Like I just started podcasting when it happened. And, you know, we have like triple digits. People are like, are you kidding me? And I'm like, and people are like, well, I want to start, but I don't know. And I'm like, I just had a Zoom thing and I hit record. <laughs> I mean, you know, I didn't know I had to have all this launch and all this other stuff behind it. I'm just kind of figuring out as we go. And yes, I'm, I'm much better. And I've got much sexier backgrounds and graphics and stuff that I did in the beginning, but I never would have done it because- yeah. I never would have done it yet. So I love that that that's how that grew. And I love that you had people in there and that's how you rehoned your niche as far as abandoning what it was in the past. And this is what it's going to be in the new world. And you'll always have this, even if we go back to the other one, now you have yet another way to touch people. Yes. And a structure to reinforce and support the team in terms of what incredible leadership they demonstrated in supporting this happening and going through that process together. Right. Was it great because it was great the first time we did anything on it? Absolutely not. And guess what? It was so much better because we went through that together. And so now we have other parts of our business that have fleshed out so much faster. I couldn't be more ecstatic, proud, humbled, honored to be leading our team as they are venturing out and building courage that, yeah, this might suck. And guess what? We're going to get to great so much faster. And to have that courage and create that culture and the specific Mm. examples that our team leaders, and I expect everyone on my team to be a leader. Everyone's a leader. Everyone's a supporter. They can step in and say, ah, I got this. It's okay. You know, we're going to try this out. And the big thing is it can't cost our members, our leaders, our partners. It can't cost them. So you need to create the space. So I like to use just simple examples, you know, like, look, if this is where we are on one trajectory, we need to be testing things so that we can look at what does it look like if we're replacing with other pieces for the business that we're going to build on, you know, just simple ways for them to think about how to pilot, you know, you can't just say, okay, we're going to turn that off and we're going to turn that on. Using this makes it really obvious that's a bad idea, right? (laughs) If we're taking this down and we're taking this up from nothing and we have no testing on this and we have no idea if that's going to- You're flying blind. Yeah. Yeah. So mitigate the risk by looking at how can you tilt that up while you're bringing that down. And, you know, those types of things and those examples that your team can wrap around culturally and from an operations perspective are incredibly powerful. I love that. And I love that you talked about It really does take co-leaders, what I call exemplary followers, because as much as we want to do this, we need integrators. We can't knit it all together. And so I love that you have empowered them and you hold them responsible that because this mindset isn't for everybody. Some people like being told what to do. That's fine. But in a space like this, where you're constantly pivoting, everybody has to put their thinking caps on and come up with new ways of doing it. Yes. And then they have the respect of their intelligence, their expertise, where they spend their time in the organization coming to usefulness. 
Yes. You know, I don't want to hear any complaining because you have the power. What do you know? What do you see? How do we integrate that? What value does that create? What opportunity for monetization does that create? And so that's where you start to see people really stepping up. And I'll be very clear. I don't care if it's our janitor or our chairman. We are all responsible for leading and supporting great things and our mission being achieved. In our case for C-Suite Network, that is to help executives and the influencers that serve them and business owners and investors succeed faster. That's our brand promise. So how are we doing that? (laughs) And everybody has their part to play. And order taking, I'm not a believer in that. I'm really not a believer in that. I reserve the right to say, the house is in fire, get out now. (laughs) And 1% of the time, maybe there's that situation. The house is on fire. I'm not listening. Get out. I don't want you to burn down with a building. And I truly believe that great leadership is about helping everyone on your team understand how much they can contribute to the success of the entire team and mission. Absolutely. I love that, Tricia. Okay, so now let's talk about vision. And I think a lot of times I remember when I was little and I would look at leaders and I'd hear this vision term, I'd be like, that's cool. Probably not me because that's like you have like a third brain or you're like, you see things. But my dad was like, hey, vision is nothing more than seeing what needs to be done and then doing it. You can't be a visionary if you're not integrator or an, an executor. But how do you stay? I know you talked a lot about pivoting and for the vision, but how do you stay on point with vision, Trisha? And what does it mean to you? And how do you get clarity amplifiers for your vision? Because there's a lot of stuff out there that pulls us off point. I, um, I couldn't agree more. <laughs> That's true. That's absolutely true. I think you need to ensure that as the leader, you are making decisions based on that vision and the Mm -hmm. value system you put forward. Uh, My business partner, Jeffrey Hazlett, wrote The Hero Factor. I love that about The Hero Factor. It is not only your mission, but what are your values? And when you are very clear about those two things, combined with how each individual contributes to that achievement and that culture, the values alignment. When you have all of that, then it becomes very clear. And you also get what Josh Kaufman reminded me of, commander's intent. So you do not have people waiting to come back to you to find out what they do next because they couldn't do what you asked them to do. They know why they're trying to achieve something. They know why that's needed. So then they can figure out what are alternative plans so we can get there. Or, oh my goodness, we found something out where there's something else that's better that's going to help us get there faster. Mm -hmm. So those, I think, are really the keys of how you create that alignment. And then there are specific tools that I've used over the years that I find useful. And I think tools, I always love hearing what people are using. And I know there are people listening right now that have tools that they use and you can hear different things in it where you think, ah, you know, I haven't done that for a while, or I hadn't thought of it that way. So I'm a huge believer in what are those tools that kind of help you make sure that you're keeping on track with it. And you have a good reminder in place for everyone on your teams to understand where they fit into it as well. I love it. Well, spoken like an engineer, you're very pragmatic. I like that as one, as an engineer, because a lot of times vision, it has to be project managed. Otherwise, it's just this nebulous thing that, you know, you got to stay on point, on metric, on schedule and on budget. Otherwise, yes, it's this amorphous blob that, and that's why I think some people struggle with it. It's like, you got to flush it out. And I love that you talk about the tools for it. Yes. Well, you might imagine, so 
in our world, we have the whole of C-Suite Network platform, right? So we have TV, we have radio, we have more than 300 digital events that we'll host this year for executives and influencers. We have services, benefits. I mean, literally, we're creating a whole virtual world of everything executives and business owners and influencers need to succeed. So as you might imagine, there are about a million great ideas. So bringing the framework you just mentioned to the table with partners, members, leaders, staff, you know, that's really critical. And, you know, I was just speaking this morning, we have a leader, Pete Winters. I'm sure you're familiar with Pete from Celebrate. He's leading the IP track on not-for-profit IP, you know, on not-for-profit and viral marketing and funding and so on. And it has been an absolute pleasure to work with him on what is the business model to create a sustainable group within C-Suite Network focused on the not-for-profit space. Mm. And, you know, so ironically, the place where frequently people don't think about that, they want to do good, and they're not really thinking about the financial sustainability of what they're doing. He's been tremendous to work with in that space. And so we have all of this modeling being done. And that was just me being transparent about my belief in the business model and how we can create success that's sustainable through C-suite network and use all of the assets we have to support something meaningful happening in that space. So, you know, there's that kind of approach and making sure it's holistic and evaluation is being done that makes sense against the business model that you have in place. And then tools like with the team, what is their responsibility? What is their stretch goal against the mission? And what are they giving back to the team to help the team succeed? Just very simple things like that can help with the alignment and the way that they're thinking about what they do and how it contributes to the rest of their team and how the team succeeds overall. I love that. Well, you talk a lot about the means or the resources and pulling them together to actually to make it all happen. So for the listeners out there, um, one of the things I heard you say in one of the permission to pause was somebody was talking about the nonprofit, but we want to do good, but we also want to do well. And so they're not, I'm all about the righteous use of wealth because if you're not creating money, how do you fund the nonprofits? You know, it's not out of the goodness, rely on the kindness of strangers. Everybody's in the business. And ministry is a business and uh, business is business. So I love that you're integrating that. If you don't have the financial resourcing to make it sustainable, it's at best a one shot. Right. Nice to have done. To me, it is all about the financial modeling in terms of how you have sustainable success. And that's why I believe in great business leaders, because we can, through our business success, create sustainable, amazing impact in all of our communities. And everyone looks to us to do that. So it really is a, just to me, oh, it it inspires me every single day. I can't, (laughs) you know, you've heard Jeffrey say that, wait to get up in the morning Mm -hmm. to start doing what we do. And I feel the same way because this is something where it is immediate and has the legacy of the impact as we push forward, as we move forward. And we empower others to understand they have that ability that impact and that responsibility as well. I love that you pulled the here and now, but you're also the forward looking aspect and you don't have to do, you do both. Beautiful. And for our listeners out there, this is the one group that I joined after many years of being away. And I just adore it because you guys are the real thing. You get right in there, you make it happen because they're my advocates and advocates help you activate right away. It isn't like, okay, grasshopper, I'm going to train you for a couple of years. I mean, you guys got right in and we're right there with me and you being on the podcast. All right. So Tricia, what else leadership wise, anything else we haven't touched on that you would like to share with our seasoned leaders? And then we're going to talk a little bit about what you have upcoming. You know, I think a lot of times leaders get caught in their own mind of somehow they have to be something else. 
And I think the whole notion of what authenticity is and what great leadership is, is really about how we translate it for ourselves so that we live in an authentic space of our own great leadership and stop trying to measure up to someone else's version of what leadership is. And I think, you know, that piece of it is really overlooked in so many ways. You know, if we just accept each one of us has tremendous capability for leadership, all in different ways, then the question becomes, how do we collaborate to succeed together in doing something we think is worthwhile doing? And I think now with just this screen that we have to impact everybody, mm-hmm right? Our teams included. I haven't been able to sit with my team for the whole year, (laughs) Uh, but I sit in this space and I sit in this space with so many incredible leaders all all across the world. And the authenticity that this little tiny square conveys is unmistakable. We don't have the smoke and mirrors of big stages and, you know, different experiences outside of this square with what we are going through with COVID. And I think it's a time where as leaders, we can really just look to how do we serve? How do we just accept what our strengths are and collaborate with people where we're going to achieve what we want to achieve? And I do not mean that in a not financially beneficial way, you know, (laughs) I mean that in how do we really accelerate our growth so that with that financial success, we keep having greater impact and showing people the way in terms of really great business. Because great business isn't a one-win scenario. Great business is about sustainability and the impact we can have and building even greater. Well, and you hit on this about who do you want to be as a leader? And I know a lot of times with leadership, we don't even look at what do we want to do? We're like, well, you're supposed to be doing all this stuff for your organization, your people. And it's like, but you're talking about when you dial in yourself as a leader, then it becomes obvious and you start attracting the right people because you're clear in your mind where you're going. And this was one of the hardest things for me between I'm supposed to be leading people, but yet if you don't know yourself and what drives your mission focus, it's just not going to work. Or you're going to do a Okay, but you're going to constantly be looking for the next thing because you're going to be like, I'm just kind of adult babysitting people and I'm not really in my zone of what, what, is, what is the best and purest source of what, what does Tracy want to be when she grows up? So right. I love that you hit on that. Take care of yourself first and then the entity will start meshing into what it's supposed to be. Well, and embrace it. You know, like when we look at other leaders that we say, wow, you know, they're incredible. And look what they've achieved. What are the pieces that fit for you? And the pieces that don't, just like those new ideas, throw them away. That's awesome. That person's got strengths in those ways. Fantastic. And these are the little pieces that are really authentic for me and work for me and my leadership. And then that's, again, where you come into the appreciation of diversity and how you build teams and how you collaborate and so on. Because we cannot be, we should not be ever everything or in any way measuring ourselves that way. And I don't want my team to do that. I literally say, I assume that you're a grown adult. Therefore, you know, there are things you're good at and there are things you are not not good at. I don't care what they are. I don't want you to even think about them while you're here. (laughs) I want you focused on what your great is and how do we accelerate that? And we need to do that certainly with ourselves. And there are so many examples about how we're invited not to take that perspective, but really what it does is that just creates noise in your head that slows you down. And as a leader, 
that's expensive. You know, all the things that we've talked about that can debilitate us as leaders, mm-hmm. shut us down as leaders. I truly believe that most of it comes from that space of how we create noise, what we choose to measure ourselves against, and how we take in the information that we're gathering. Oh, I love it. Oh, I love it. Okay, so what is next for you, Tricia? You said you have a book coming out. Can you tell me a little bit about that? I do. It's been a horrendous experience for me because I am very much dedicated to doing Yes, I'm talking about seeing the success for everyone that I serve every day in my business and in the whole community. So it's been interesting. And I had almost finished before COVID and then COVID happened and I just, um, but now it was nearly finished and COVID allowed me to refocus. Mm -hmm. And I had one of my leaders in my hero club say to me, Trisha, you know, he wanted to read my rough Reddit and he said, you know, I think you're the empathetic leader. I think that's the title. And at first, I really wasn't sure what to think of it. You know, I absolutely think empathy is critically important. But then the more I started thinking about it in terms of what it means and how we empower people, how we allow them to be us and how we become them in terms of aligning them on the mission and giving them the respect of owning that mission shoulder to shoulder, regardless of title or what your function actually is, et cetera the more I loved it. And part of my subtitle has the term pathways in it. And I love that word, even though it's kind of an ugly word. I love playing with words. It's kind of an ugly word, but I love it because it's counter to all the nonsense out there about one type being better than another or one kind of leadership or That's nonsense. I just think it's nonsense. Mm -hmm. You're an introvert, you're an expert. It makes no difference in terms of whether you're going to be a great leader. There's so much that really matters in terms of great leadership. And most of that is about the internal work we do to align ourselves on what we are trying to achieve, why we're trying to achieve it, and who we choose to take on that journey, and the acceptance and authenticity of what all of that is for each of us. And that's where you get into that higher level of really great leadership. So, and I also have leading and supporting. And again, this notion that a leader just leads is ludicrous. The more you are the person with final sign off or the final customer, ultimately speaking, in terms Mm -hmm. of having to deal with the toughest things, the more you are actually supporting the leaders within your team at every level. Yeah. So I'm excited about that. And I've got some just such phenomenal support to say like, Trisha, this book needs to go out, not for you, (laughs) but for others and for that conversation. And so they're helping me to turn that into a method of being able to serve more effectively. And so I'm excited about that. I know you have more books and, (laughs) and I've heard the first one is just always the most challenging. So I'm going to be truly relieved when that is uh, out and done. So excited. Well, Trisha, how can people get a hold of you? Really simply, Trisha, T-R-I-C-I-A, at C-Suite, S-U-I-T-E, network.com. Okay, awesome, awesome. Well, to our listeners out there, I love this group. I love Trisha, and I'm so thankful that you were on this today, and I would really recommend for our listeners out there, please connect with Trisha. Check out C-Suite. We got a lot of seasoned listeners that listen, a lot of entrepreneurs. You can't do it on your own. You're not meant to do it on your own, and this is a tremendous network that I personally have found, and I love working with them and what they've done, and it's the real deal. I'm going to say that. Otherwise, I wouldn't be a part of them. So, Trisha, I took a ton of notes, and I thank you so much for sharing your insights with me. It's always wonderful to learn from somebody that has gone where you want to go, and I really, that, that means a lot 
lot to me. Thank you so much, Tracy. I'm so excited about what you're doing and being on your journey with you. And I'm grateful to be able to share. And I'm really looking forward to hearing from anyone here who has stories to share with me or or certainly anything that I can be helping with. I love it. And to our listeners out there, if you like what you heard, please be sure and hit the subscribe button. Do us the honor of leaving us a five-star review and also share. Reach out to Tricia, get involved with this group. Also share this with other people. Also, I'd love to have you go over to our website in the bottom of the show notes. If you're a listener, if you click on the bottom of the link, you're going to see where you can download a free copy of The Price of Leadership so you can see all the great topics that we were hitting on, all the different threads of it. So we'd love to have you over at TremendousLeadership.com and be one of our subscribers too. So to our leaders out there, keep on paying the price of leadership. Thanks so much for being part of our Tremendous Tribe. Again, Tricia, thank you so much for everything you share with us. Have a tremendous rest of the day, everybody. Thank you for listening to Tremendous Leadership with Dr. Tracy Jones. Find out more about Dr. Jones at www.tremendousleadership.com. If you've been ignited by something you heard in this episode, let us know by leaving a review for Tremendous Leadership wherever you listen to podcasts or by sending us a message through www.tremendousleadership.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.